UMGoBlue.com. By fans, for fans. Since 1999. Hello, welcome to this edition of the UMGoBlue.com podcast. This is Phil Callahan along with... Andy Anderson. And today we're going to talk about Michigan's 31-20 loss to the hated Ohio State Buckeyes in the game and uh, a number of other things as we take an opportunity to take stock at the end of uh, Harbaugh's third regular season as head football coach at the University of Michigan. Well, Andy, first things first, what did you think about the game yesterday? Well, I thought it was a very interesting game. I thought it was hard fought. It came right down to the last two minutes of the game to determine who was going to win. I thought Michigan had an excellent chance to do it, but uh, fate turned against them, and John O'Corn didn't see, didn't make a good, a great read, a good read, and threw an interception, which entirely killed the process of catching up. Uh, score-wise, uh, to the Buckeyes. Uh, it, the game was kind of a capsule of Michigan season in a way because for a while in the first quarter, they absolutely ruled the Bucks minus six yards game for the Buckeyes in the first quarter. That's extraordinary. And it kind of went that way and fits and starts both with the offense and the defense. What really bothered me was the fact that both quarterbacks, a backup quarterback, replaced J.T. Barrett when he went out, and I think in the third quarter. And uh, he broke free and really turned the game around late. So I didn't like that. I didn't understand why the defense wasn't on him like Hoy on Rice. There are a whole lot of things I didn't understand, but coaching didn't seem to be flawed. They did some things that they hadn't been doing up to this time. They did have some stuff uh, saved, and they scored 20 points against a good team where they had been the last couple of times out, or the last two good teams that they met, Michigan State and, uh, and Wisconsin. They had only put up 10, so... I don't know. It, it was a solid eight and four season. Uh, that's what we expected before, and that's the way it went. There were no miracles. Well, I, I think you you made a good point about it kind of being a representative of Michigan season. Started out with a lot of hope and ended with disappointment. And you know, if, if you just look at the score. Um, I don't think that tells the whole story of the game. As you said, it was 24 to 20 late, late, and uh, you know Michigan. It's disappointing to me because Michigan's only managed you know one win over the last 13 seasons, and you know one of the things I always say is you know there's the saying the hammer and nail aren't rivals. It's really hard to get excited. It's starting to get really difficult to get excited over this game when Michigan has struggled for so long. Um, and again, you know, they start out fast with that 14-0 lead, and and then the Buckeyes are driving, and J.T. Barrett hits Josh Metellus right in the hands with what could have been an interception, definitely would have ended the drive, and you know he couldn't reel it in, and then you know 
Buckeyes go on to score, and, and, and they're right back in the game, and then they score again, and, and you know, it's, it's tie game, and, you know, that huge lead has evaporated. So it's disappointing to me. Um, again, you know, when, when JT Barrett goes out, you're thinking, wow, the, the, you know, this is, this is good. Ohio State needs to go to their second string quarterback. And again, they just reloaded. Second guy came in and, um, you know, he shredded the Michigan defense. And, you know, I, I don't know if the defense just got tired. Um, but, you know, uh, the other thing is, is that it's bizarre to say, but. I got just a short comment to the defense getting tired thing. I think part of that is because of the scheme they play with the constant blitzing. When they have to let up on that, they, you know, the rotation gets tired. They need more depth at the defensive line, and I think it's on the way. I think they'll have it. But once they take their foot off the gas defensively, Everybody moves the ball for a while. Then they put their foot back on the gas, and the, the blitzes start again, and they begin to hammer people. So I think part of the problem has been the depth on the defensive line. we got a decent two-line rotation. Maybe we need three. That's my thought on it. Take it for what it's worth. Well, I think the best relief for the defense can be you know, a better offense. Um, but, but, you know, speaking of the offense, you know, it's, it's kind of bizarre to say this because, you know, the offense completely sputtered toward the end of the game. But actually, it was probably one of John O'Corn's best games. And it, it's frustrating because they really looked like they came out with a good plan in the first half. He was executing relatively well. And unfortunately, that evaporated later. You know, I really have to give, you know, John O'Corn credit. Um, people, people can criticize the results. People can criticize, um, you know, the mistakes that he made. But after hearing him speak in the post-game press conference, you can't question his effort. You can't question his dedication to his teammates. Um, that is absolutely true. You know, Andy, I, I think sometimes, you know, the average fan forgets that, um, you know, they're real, real young men playing this game, real, real players, real people. And as frustrated as we may be with the results, as frustrated as, um, you know, I think, you know, most of the Michigan fans in the stadium were, were, were frustrated. You know, and I, I have to echo, Harbaugh said this, you know, a month or so back, nobody puts more time into it than the coaches and the players. Nobody cares more than the coaches and the players. And hearing John O'Corn um, be very emotional in the post game. Really have to feel for the guy. You know, I always th- think that um, whenever a player is, is put out there and they don't do as well as we would like or as well as they would like, I think That's we need. Right. To, I think we need to remember that they're the best they have. Okay, it's not a question of effort. It's not a question of a lack of preparation. Um, you know, you can't. It's hard. It, it's difficult for me because you hear a lot of fans criticize if a player isn't doesn't do as well as they would like. But you know, as long as the player is doing everything they can, you know, what are they supposed to do? Not go on the field? Are they are they not supposed to to take the start when given the opportunity? So, uh, you know, we have the opportunity to talk to the players firsthand, and I think that 
you know, it, it's one thing that, that I always remember that as disappointed as I am about Michigan losing to Ohio State, um, you know, there are many more Michigan-Ohio State games in my future, at least I hope. But for a player, for especially for a senior, um, you know, to go out without beating Ohio State, this is their last, Yesterday was their last opportunity, and you bet. and that's something that that is that I don't think we we can really appreciate as fans. And again, nobody goes. You know, not not a single player on Michigan's team thought they were going to lose that game. It's very clear talking to them after. Um, shoot, even John O'Corn uh, was disappointed that they didn't. You know take advantage of the opportunities they were given and actually blow them out. So I, I think we, we need to take time to remember that, uh, you know, everybody gave their all. And as disappointed as we are, you know, it is just a game. Um, but, boy, I'll tell you, you know, speaking to the overall rivalry, again, the hammer and nails aren't rivals, and Michigan sure looks like the nail the last 13 years. Yeah, well, it hasn't been good, but the cycle swings, the pendulum swings. We had a long history uh, when we were winning and uh, making Ohio State show up bad. And none of this makes you envy in the least anything that Ohio State can present or do. I'm much happier and dedicated to being a Michigan fan, and I don't see where Ohio State offers anything. Uh, to me, that I would want to be a part of. So I'm, I'm in some sense, I'm very happy winner who's being a Michigan fan. But uh, Harbaugh said one thing on the Monday before, on just a week ago tomorrow, on the Monday meeting on Ohio State press conference that we went to. He said that Ohio State is the explanation point for the season. And he couldn't have been more right. And it certainly applies to this game. It was the explanation point for the season, but it wasn't an explanation point that we got. It was a question mark. Because many of the same questions that act like this uh, through the season are going to persist into the, into the spring and into the fall camp and until they get going next year and prove that they really have over come the handicaps that they had this year. They're a solid 8-14. and 14. They didn't turn out to be anything better. We expected better. It wasn't there. They expected better. It wasn't there. And uh, it's going to be a job to get them uh, uh, honed up for next year. They're going to have more pieces. But one thing I don't understand, I don't understand why the University of Michigan doesn't have a three-deep on quarterbacks that can be used at this point in time. It seems to me that football-wise, they made a little bit of a mistake on John McCorn when State went down. Well, there's no doubt about that, and yet, even if uh, even if Brandon Peters had come in right away, um, assuming he gets knocked out, you still end up at John O'Corn. So. Yeah. Um, and again, you know there aren't there aren't a lot of teams that can go three deep. Um, and, and Ohio, Ohio seems to do it seamlessly. They do, they do. So, so again, um, you know, speaking of Spate, word came out today that he has decided to leave the program um, and look for opportunities as a graduate. 
uh, elsewhere? I wish, I, I wish him well. He, I, I respect State. He, he, uh, he did his, uh, the best he could. And uh, I think he had a lot of flack thrown in, his, uh, thrown in his way. I wonder what the season would have been if he'd continued to the last game. It's an interesting question. But uh, what it is, and I wish him well in all his adventures, he's uh, articulate, uh, seems to be a pretty good guy, and uh, I hope he does very well wherever he goes, except when he plays, and if he plays, against the Wolverines. You know, that brings up a point. I always wonder about Michigan quarterbacks, and I mean this sincerely. You know, you see these guys come in as, as you know, recruits, as, you know, as young players, and they're all excited they're going to, you know, set the world on fire. And by the time they go through the program, they really look tired. I mean, you know, and I, and I think specifically of, like, Shane Morris. Um, I, I even remember John Navarre, um, you know, toward the end of, of his career, you know, because he struggled against Ohio State. And that was the knock on him that, you know, he put together huge statistic, statistical years, but couldn't beat the Buckeyes. And that was the knock on him. And, and you could see it definitely weared on him, you know, as, as you spoke to him. And, um, you know, you look at Spate and you look at, again, Shane Morris by the time he left. And I remember interviewing Shane Morris his last year at Michigan before he left for Central. And... He just sounded resigned. Just you know, he'd been through the ringer, and he said all the right. He said all the right things if you read it in a transcript, but his body language was just you know one of somebody who who just been really you know um, put through the ringer. And you know, look at you look at O'Corn speaking after the game, and you look at Spate leaving, and uh, again, I just you know I think uh, you know I, Devin Gardner. You know, kind of this, a similar thing happened. Um, I think Denard, you know, came out okay. You know, he, he seemed to have a generally pretty good attitude as he, as he left. Um, he was actually at the game yesterday. It was, it was good to see him. But generally speaking, I, I really wonder um, if, if many of the quarterbacks who come here um, are regretted in some way or are ready to be done. Um, you know, I think you look at Jake Ruddock, he came here for a year and it worked out for him. But when you see these guys up close and you talk to them, it's very clear that there's a heavy burden being the quarterback here at Michigan. And um, it definitely, definitely weighs on them. I, I mean, I think back to even Nick Sheridan. Um, Nick Sheridan gave up his last year eligibility. And uh, just, no thanks, guys. And, and again... You know, not exactly, he wasn't exactly in a system that, that lent itself to his talents. But, you know, again, took a beating. Um, you take a lot of flack as the quarterback here, you know. So, you know, I was reminded of that when I was watching John O'Corn um, give his, his very emotional comments that, you know, it's, it's a pretty rough gig being a quarterback here. Um, and I would say that probably at any, at any large program. Um, but, Again, I, I genuinely wonder if, if, there, uh, if there are any regrets at, at any time or if it takes a few years to appreciate the opportunity. So, so, Andy, the larger question we have is, 
you mentioned that Michigan was eight and four. I'm going to be clear and unequivocal, unequivocal, unequivocable that eight and four doesn't cut it. Okay, it didn't cut it when Lloyd Carr was here. Um, it, and as much as you know, I was a supporter of Lloyd Carr and, and believed in him. I understood the frustration, um, to, you know, in his last couple years. And as much as I think we both support Coach Harbaugh and, and still think he's the best coach for Michigan, I don't see any way for anybody to not be disappointed at where we are three years in. What do you think? Well, he's, he's knocked a little polish off his great start at Michigan because he's simply not winning like he was hired to win. He's being, he has had everything that he wants at Michigan since he has been there. All his requests have been uh, gratified. And he's making $7 million a year. He's got a very high-paid staff. He was put in that place to win football games to a degree that will make Michigan proud, and that's being among the best. That's the only thing that will make people proud that are following it. Not that they, not that the coaches care what the fans think at all, but still we're out there. Uh, he's got some questions to answer. And one of the immediate questions is what happened to the development of the offensive line this year? Why can't they stop a twist? Why can't they recognize when people are coming and what they are doing and protect the quarterback during the passing process a little bit better than they have? I thought the game before uh, before Peters was hurt that he was going to get hurt and said so publicly to some people that didn't like it that I said it, but I said it. And, and you just knew that a guy of his, stat, of his physical stature wasn't going to be able to take the, that kind of pounding and not get hurt, and he did. So I think they have severe questions. At the offensive line, I think they got some talent coming in. I think they got some guys that are joining, but don't give me the old, they were an inexperienced line idea and argument because I don't think it's valid at this point in the season. They didn't improve that much. They should have improved a lot more. They have a lot of talent on that line. They have some great big people. They have some good athletes. And they just didn't seem to understand what was happening on the field. And I don't understand that at this point in time. Well, there's no doubt. And I think, you know, the biggest question, you know, I was thinking about where we were three years into Hoke and where we are three years into Harbaugh. And what happened with Hoke is he made some adjustments to his staff. Now, history will show they were not the right adjustments, okay? <laughs> I think that's, that's pretty clear. Um, so, Harbaugh's staff has changed every year. Some people have gone on to different opportunities. Um, this is the first year, for me, that I really think some people need to move on because they haven't gotten the job done. Now, it doesn't matter what I think, um, you know, as you've mentioned, I mean, you know, it, it's, it's our ball show. But for me, 
the thing that I really need to see, or that I want to see, is him make some adjustments to his staff. And, and Andy, we know this. Listen, Harbaugh's not going anywhere, and and I'm not and saying, I, and I'm not I'm saying he should be. Yeah, and I'm not saying he should be. I mean, we're on the same we're on the same page there. And yet, and yet, I think you really need to look at. Um, you know, is Pep Hamilton working out? There are rumors that he's a, um, a candidate to be a head coach somewhere else. At this point, I would say, see ya. Don't let the door hit you in the butt. Um, and it has nothing to do with, I mean, nothing to do personally with Pep. It's just, listen, the offense has struggled, so I think, you know, some changes are in order. You look at the offensive line, and that's Drefno. And, you know, to go back to the Hoke thing, um, the offensive line struggled under Hoke, and, you know, he brought in a new offensive coordinator, or I'm sorry, a new quarterback's coach, um, and, um, you know, he kept Borges, he kept his line coach, and it wasn't a big enough change, and, you know, it, it ultimately did him in. So the question is, what changes will Harbaugh do? You know, I've heard questions about whether, um, you know, how good of a job Jay Harbaugh has done um, in coaching the running backs, specifically pass protection. So, now, I think we can agree the defense looks great, and I think that's the disappointing thing here, is that I'm wondering if, you know, a couple seasons from now, we're going to look back and um, be disappointed that we squandered two really, really good defenses. Um and, and well, of course, yeah. If it, if it doesn't turn out, they, they, they will have squandered. They squandered one this year. The offense was not up to normal standard. They couldn't score with the rest of the teams in the Big Ten, especially against the, the great teams. Michigan won if they could put up about 33 points, and they lost when they put up 10. And in that range, that's not suitable for for any offense to score so low. But there's another factor that really factors in a little bit. They don't seem to be a lucky team. In other words, Ohio State has a, a snap through the guy's hands, and he's got to go chase it. And you got to... All those people that rush all over the place, but nobody from Michigan gets on the ball. The quarterback recovers it. They don't seem to have any luck when it comes to best defense. They seem to be held to a tighter standard to me than other teams are held on to an observable degree when it comes to interference on passing. Maybe it's because they have... Reputation for playing off. I don't know what it is, but it seems to me to be there. Although I'm not a conspiracy type of guy, I still think I saw some of that this year. So there are so many permutations to football. Is for a simple game, it's very, very complicated. And uh, we'll see. Harbaugh has paid seven million dollars to straighten it out, but. He better start straightening it, straightening it out before next year and get next year going because there are big expectations. Because now that they're all young, excuse is gone. That isn't there anymore. They're going to have plenty of experienced personnel 
And the true question next year is going to be, are these guys good enough to do what they want to accomplish and what the fans want them to accomplish? Not, are they experienced enough, but are they good enough? And that's where the question should be. Well, you know, I, 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 I question a little bit, you know, the ball bounces a funny way, okay? Yeah, so it does. If, if you want to say luck and, you know, pure luck, you know. You make your luck. Yeah, well, but, but understand, I mean, like you said, Michigan didn't do anything wrong to make that ball bounce back to JT Barrett. That's, That's right. Okay, and, and I'll tell you, there's been a couple other times. Now, if you want to talk about luck in they're not getting calls, that's something different. And, yeah. and and I will tell you that, you know, generally, you know, I'm not the person to 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 blame the refs for anything. And yet, we can definitely see statistically that Michigan is not getting calls on defense, not getting called for holds. Um, you know, again, uh, they're they're not getting the benefit of the doubt some that some other teams seem to get. To me, that's not luck. That is that is a bias somehow. Now the question is, is it a bias against Harbaugh? Is it a bias against the type of defense that Michigan plays? You know, there are times that when Michigan is playing, uh, you know, I'll give you an example: Minnesota. Okay, I went back and watched that game over. And I could not believe the holding that Minnesota got away with. And yet, Minnesota's a really crappy team. And it is not unusual for refs to look the other way. Um, you know, when, when, you're, when, you're, when you're a team overmatching an opponent, and, and, and as much as people might think that this isn't, you know, um, as much as people might think that, you know, it should always be the same, it's not the same, okay? Now, it's one thing when Michigan is playing Air Force or Minnesota or Maryland to not get the benefit of the calls. When you're playing Penn State or Michigan State or Ohio State, um, and I will tell you, I'm looking at some of the of you know some of the spots against Ohio State. Um, you know, there's a picture going around of uh, a Michigan player having his jersey practically pulled off and no holding being called. You know, there's certain things where. You really got to wonder, and we've talked about this, if Harbaugh's incessant criticism of the officials in his first couple years here um, is coming home to roost. Um, you know, I will say, listen, officials are people, and, uh, you know, knowing people who have been officials at different levels, you know, I am of the mind it is never a good idea to embarrass an official. It always, you know, and what I've seen, it'll come back to bite you. And, you know, I think back to, you know, Harbaugh, you know, think back to last year. Um, Harbaugh's tuning on the refs when they're, when they're winning by 40 or 50 points. And then he's surprised when he doesn't get calls against Ohio State. Now, I will say this year, it is my impression that he is not um, on the refs as much. But they're, they're, I'm, I'm wondering if, if this is a residual of, uh, of, of what's going on. Um, now, you know, th that is what it is. You know, I, I think, you know, here's the thing, Andy. Four losses is not going to cut it. Michigan screws around here and loses the ball game. 
you know, treats it like a practice, which they very well may do. Five? Five, you know, five losses. Complete, four losses is, is unacceptable. Five losses is completely unacceptable. So the, yeah. question, so the question is, what are you expecting next year? edition of the umgoblue.com podcast. This is Phil Callahan along with Andy Anderson. Go Blue. Thank you for listening to the umgoblue.com podcast. All rights reserved. Search for umgoblue.com on iTunes. Go Blue.